Welcome to Geopolitics Decanted. I'm Dmitry Alperovich, chairman of Silverado Policy Accelerator, a geopolitics think tank in Washington, D.C., and also an author of an upcoming book, World on the Brink, How America Can Beat China in the Race for the 21st Century. Pre-order links for the book are available in the show notes, so please check it out. This episode today will be all about Atakams, the missile system that has achieved almost mythical status in the 19 months of this war as sort of a wonder waffle weapon system that some have argued Ukraine needs the most. My guest today to talk about what the system is, its various variants, and what specific advantages it might bring to Ukrainian firepower is Canadian security analyst Colby Badwar, who has written a terrific 72-part X, formerly known as Twitter thread, on Atakams. Colby, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Let's start with what is Atakams and what are the various variants that we're talking about here that could potentially be provided to Ukraine? Sure. So Atakams is a American surface-to-surface quasi-ballistic missile that was developed initially back in the 80s and uh, has been built through the, the 90s until today, and it's, it's still in production. And there have been several different variants over the course of the program, but for sort of our purposes discussing it, really, uh, there's just two things you need to understand. There are some variants that have cluster munition payloads, and then there are a number of different variants that have a unitary warhead. So it's one big massive of high explosive um, that that detonates on a specific location. And obviously, from a longer range perspective, Ukraine has already received some missiles, such as the air launch Storm Shadows, manufactured by UK and France. So what are the primary differences in terms of capabilities of those systems from the attackums that Ukraine might receive? Sure. So I think the the biggest thing potentially is if Ukraine were to receive the attackums that do have the, the cluster munitions payload, which there's reporting from a number of different outlets that have suggested that that is the variant that's under consideration, that's a, a quite different and unique capability that would be offered to Ukraine. There's really no other system available that provides that capability of doing precision strikes against area targets, Storm Shadow, Scalp EG, the German Taurus missile, that's also something that Ukraine is asking for. These all have unitary high explosive warheads as well, so they're very good if you're trying to destroy a a precise specific target. But if you wanted to destroy a target that was more distributed, such as a Russian surface-to-air missile battery, then it's very difficult to destroy the entirety of that, that battery if you're using missiles that just have a a unitary explosive warhead. So having a missile that can deliver a precision strike at long range against a distributed target, that's a very important capability um, from the Ukrainian perspective. And I think that's one of the reasons why they've been asking for attackums since the beginning, because it does offer something that Storm Shadow and and other systems do not offer. Let's talk about the range because they now have the Gimlers, of course, artillery that they launched from HIMARS. They're going to get GLSDBs soon, likely this fall. Talk about the different ranges of those munitions versus attackums. Sure. So very different scales here in terms of range. So the Gimlers 
guided MLRS rockets, those can do a precision strike between 83 to 92 kilometers and the ground launched small diameter bomb when that arrives that has a range of 150 kilometers so almost double and then attackums has a range of double that again 300 kilometers so much further away much it has much longer range than those other systems um it's you know depending on who you ask Storm Shadow, I would say, and Sculpagee are are actually longer than the Tacums. Uh, officially, it's just above 250 kilometers, but um, others have assessed that to be at least 400 kilometers, perhaps even longer than that. So, but 300 is plenty for Ukraine's purposes. 300 kilometers is going to allow them to strike pretty much the majority of of their occupied sovereign territory. So, it does give them a uh, much further reach than is available to them currently with Gimlers or what will become available to them when they receive the Gronach small diameter bomb. And if we set aside the cluster attackums munitions and just talk about the unitary warhead, is there any advantage that they offer versus the Storm Shadows? Sure. So there is still advantage there for certain targets. Um, it wouldn't be as effective as I said against those distributed targets, but if you had a a harder target that was very time sensitive. That's a situation where I would argue that Attackums provides an advantage because Attackums has a much shorter flight time than um, Storm Shadow and Scalpy G do. Attackums is a is a supersonic missile. It's flying Mach two, Mach three, and uh, Storm Shadow is subsonic. It's it tops out at a, 0.8, uh, max 0.8, I believe. So below the speed of sound. So attackums when you're... And when there's you also an issue that you have to launch the jets from which yes. you're going to fire those storm shadows, right? And they could be potentially tracked by radar as well. Yeah, uh, that's something you have to take into consideration as, as well. Attackums because it has the advantage of it's being fired from either HIMARS or... M270 or its derivatives that Ukraine has, those systems are closer to the front line already. Um, so the the targeting cycle, I would argue, is is shorter for attackums than it is for an air-launched cruise missile, which I, I explained in the thread. You know, these fighter jets, the Su-24s, they're based in further back in western Ukraine. So first you have to get them airborne, they have to fly closer to the front and then release their their missile. Um, to do a strike against uh, whatever they're they're shooting at, targeting. So potentially it's it's longer period of time that it would take. Assuming that you do have a, a target acquired and you know what the coordinates are, attackums is much more responsive um, to a target that might be time sensitive and you need to hit it as soon as possible for whatever reason. And given that the speed of the missile is much greater than the storm shadows, do you think that would make it harder to intercept? Yeah, so there's, there's there's some nuance here when we're talking about the difficulty of intercepting. And so I, I would say that in general, ballistic and especially sort of quasi-ballistic missiles like Attackums, which um, are able to actually maneuver in flight, which the Russian Iskander is also able to do, they are, generally speaking, difficult to intercept. That said, they it is easier to detect Attackums than it is to detect Storm Shadow or Scalp G because 
they have very very advanced low observability features so for russian radars it's they're having a very difficult time even detecting these storm shadow missiles as they come in and we can see by the results the russians do not have a particularly good track record of downing these cruise missiles and i would mostly attribute to that that they're just having a very difficult time detecting them so overall when we're talking about russian integrated air and missile defense capabilities their primary ballistic missile defense system they have in theater is the S-300V system, and that is a system that should not be underestimated. I would say it, it actually has a better chance of intercepting and attackums than Russia's main air defense systems. S-300P and S-400 have against Storm Shadow and Scalp EG, but that said, I think attackums is still going to be useful. It's going to be able to penetrate Russia's integrated air missile defense systems, but I, I think we should expect that some of them probably will be shot down. But I would I would still tip the favor in terms of attackums. I think so. There have been a range of reasons why the U.S. has been hesitant to provide attackums. One of them had to do with escalation concerns, which I think over time have lessened, and particularly since longer range missiles like Storm Shadows have been provided by others. But the other reasons were practical concerns. One of them was just about the timing of provision of certain munitions. The administration has said on many occasions that given their limited budgets that have been authorized by Congress for their drawdown authorities, they wanted to prioritize things that Ukraine needed the most at a particular time of the fight. So Early on in the Russian invasion, they focused on anti-tank guided missiles, and later on it was more about artillery, and as the Ukrainians were launching their offensive, it was all about armor. So they've been arguing that attackums were not what the Ukrainians needed at, at a particular point in time. But the other concern has been around numbers and how much we have in the United States in our inventory and how much we would need for various contingencies, primarily North Korea and potentially Iran, less so probably Taiwan due to range difficulties. But talk a little bit about that last element of do we have the numbers to provide significant number of missiles to Ukraine, obviously given the constraints that the actual numbers are classified, but based on open source estimates of, of what we think are in U.S. arsenal. Yeah, for sure. So this is one of the main reasons why I wanted to write the threat is because everybody seemed to have a different idea of how many attackums does the United States have, how many have been produced, are they still being produced or not. Um, so I wanted to try and answer that that question. And even though the Department of Defense says that you know the the inventory is officially classified, there's an, there's a lot of open source information from the Department of Defense that allowed me to. I think, get a pretty accurate read of what the inventory actually is by looking at the budget documents, which list you know how many attackums have been produced. And there's uh, also information that's been made available about expenditure rates uh, in combat. So putting all those pieces together, uh, I was able to, I think, get a, a pretty accurate And you took into account that some of the missiles that have been produced were not produced for the U.S., but for other customers around the world. Yeah, yeah, I I was able to get all of the foreign military sales information as well through a a number of different sources. So I I think I got a very accurate picture of how many have been produced total, but specifically how many are available in in American inventory. So I, I would say that, yes, the United States 
does have uh, a reasonably large stockpile where they could afford to to spare a few. And it's interesting that the, the media is reporting that the cluster munition variants are under discussion right now because officially all of those missiles are expired because these missiles, they have a, a shelf life by which um, after a certain point, the propellant in them and other components may no longer be, are no longer function properly. Uh, so officially they would be expired, but you can, I suppose, sort of think think of that as a, a warranty of sorts where the manufacturer is saying, you know, we guarantee it's going to work up to this point, but that doesn't necessarily mean as soon as that period elapses and it's it's 10 years for Attackums that the missile is suddenly no good. So if they're discussing the cluster munition variants officially, they're all expired, but if those are under consideration, that would suggest that the missiles are actually still operable or may be operable with some minor works to them. And this is kind of the open question right now is, can should we expect Ukraine to see the Attackums coming very soon? Or do those missiles need to be uh, refurbished to some degree before they could be sent. Um, so potentially the stockpile, the available stockpile is actually much larger because the the unexpired inventory is well over a thousand missiles. But if you're including the expired inventory, including the cluster munition variants, there's potentially like another a thousand missiles or more uh, in that pool. So the United States has a lot more attackums available than I think they've been trying to suggest for the duration of the war. Well, this is a great point because if they're expired, presumably they're not part of any op plan where they would uh-huh. be assigned to, right? And we don't see a need for them to be used in our own contingencies. So if you can refurbish them, presumably replace the propellant, whatever else may, may need to be done to get them back to operational state, it would be much easier for us to give them up without jeopardizing our own security, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I note in the thread that at one point, the United States had a very, very small number of missiles that were that were not expired back in uh, 2017 before they initiated the service life extension program to start refurbishing these old missiles. They only had 269 missiles that were actually not expired according to this 10-year shelf life criteria. So the suggestion that if the United States were to give up any number of attackums that contingency plans would be compromised is a little bit suspect because you know that would suggest that those those contingency plans that have been in place were, were would have definitely already been compromised if if uh, they only had 269 missiles that were actually uh, fit for service according to their own criteria so I I have um, doubts about that line of argument one other thing here that is worth mentioning is the new missile that is supposed to be the replacement for Attackums, the precision strike missile, is not only has entered production, but it has been confirmed, I believe, in the last couple of weeks by DOD that they've already received several of these missiles. Talk a little bit about the difference between Attackums and, and this new missile and the advantages that it offers and what numbers are we talking about and its planned rate of production. Sure. So there are still some details that we don't know about precision strike missile, but what's out there in, in the public domain is that it's got around a range of, of 500 kilometers or some sources say over 400, but probably 500. And there's there's discussion about even pushing it beyond that now that since the INF treaty has been um, abrogated. So it's longer in range. It's much narrower in in diameter so whereas 
a high Mars launcher could carry one attackums or an M270 could carry two attackums. Precision might a strike missile you can fit two in the place of one. So either uh, two PRSMs or prisms in uh, in a high Mars or four in an M270. So um, your volume of fire that you can put down very quickly um, you know, is, is doubled from what it is with attackum. So that's an improvement. And uh, there's a lot of, there's, they're already working on multiple different um, developmental increments in terms of the technology that's going to be in these missiles. So um, whereas the first increment in terms of its, uh, its targeting might be similar to the current attackums, future increments are going to have a lot of new capabilities like hitting moving targets and, and things of that nature. So it, you know, eventually over the course of the program, uh, we'll introduce a lot of capabilities that Attackums doesn't have, but um, you know, we we don't have. I would say we don't have a hundred percent visibility into what all that's going to look like. And of course, programs do uh, are subject to change according to um, priorities and funding available from Congress. But it it has entered um, serial production, although albeit at a very low rate, as I note. And they are still doing um, you know, some testing as well. So it's not uh, it's not approved for sort of combat deployment yet. Um, they're still going to be doing tests. I think with the somebody was just telling me the other day. I think the first thirty-five missiles, I believe, are slated to be um, assigned for further testing. So um, it you know it, it is being produced at a low rate. So it's not going to you know have a, a huge impact sort of on what America's available inventory of long-range um, precision missiles for the U- the U.S. Army specifically will be. Um, but hopefully, we'll get some information in next. Uh, next spring, early next spring or late in the winter about uh, potential ramp-ups in production and that would be a positive development. Of course, the, the, the caveat to this is that if there is a continuing resolution passed or a government shutdown with what's going on in Congress, that's going to impact uh, the delivery of, of all uh, procurement programs, including PRSM. So that wouldn't be a good thing if that happened because uh, it would have adverse impacts on the delivery of, of those missiles. Now, so far, we've been talking about U.S. inventories, but as we've mentioned, there have been four military sales of attackums. So countries like Australia, Poland, and some others have procured them. And there could be potential, just like we've seen with 155-millimeter artillery shells, for the U.S. to go to these countries and ask them to relinquish some of those stockpiles and be reimbursed potentially later on. Have you looked at the potential for some of those countries? Obviously, they would need approval from the U.S. to do so, but could they provide some of their inventories to Ukraine perhaps even sooner than the U.S.? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. So, I mean, in Australia's case specifically, their order for TACMS is, is still pending. It was, um, it was actually just placed uh, this year, so they wouldn't be a candidate, but countries like Poland and Romania uh, do operate attackums. They received their orders just uh, last summer, last June, I believe it was, that those orders concluded. So Poland and Romania are two countries, obviously, that have been supporting Ukraine. So I would say that there is potential there um, if the U.S. is willing to sign off on those transfers that they could as well provide attackums to Ukraine in addition to what the United States is willing to provide themselves. Uh, they, they don't have a a huge number. Poland currently just has uh, 30 missiles. Romania bought 54. So not big numbers compared to what the American inventory is, but everything everything uh, adds up and, and helps. So 
definitely that's something that I'm sure the Ukrainians are are thinking about and probably discussing with those countries and and the Biden administration is whether those transfers could be signed off on if those countries are agreeable. And, and do any of those countries have the cluster munition variant? Um, Poland and Romania do not. They purchased the newer unitary variants. Um, countries with the the cluster munition variants are are those that purchased a long time ago at the at the beginning of the program. So. The issue there would be whether those countries, their inventories are even still operational because they, they're um, officially past their, their shelf life date. And one thing that I did not see any information of about in the course of my research is whether any of these foreign customers of Attackums, and particularly the ones that procured it early in the program back in the 1990s, whether any of them had entered into contracts with, with Lockheed to refurbish those missiles. and. Um, as far as I'm aware, that that hasn't happened. So it, it may be the case that these missiles sitting in a warehouse somewhere are, are not in active service because the propellant is just way too aged and it, they wouldn't be safe to use potentially. So one of the reasons why I think attackums could actually have a significant impact on the Ukrainian counteroffensive is that one of the biggest challenges that they faced in the last three or four months here has been the Ka-52 alligator helicopters that the Russians have used very effectively uh-huh. to neutralize Ukrainian armor because they're using these Vihar laser-guided uh-huh. anti-tank missiles that have a much longer range that the Ukrainians can reach with their Stinger and other men pads, uh-huh. and they're basically able to hang out at the edge of the envelope for the range of those missiles and destroy any armor they see in sight. And that was one of the key reasons I've been told that the Ukrainians have been abandoning their vehicles by and large and and having to advance on foot. Yes, the minefields have played a role too, but the alligators really have been the major problem. And there's a lot of them. If you look at satellite pictures of, let's say, the Berdyansk airport down in the south of Zaporizhia, you will see literally dozens upon dozens of these helicopters just hanging out on runways. And if only you could have a cluster munition like Attackums that would be able to reach it and not be intercepted by air defenses, which presumably are very extensive in that area, uh, you could potentially have a, an outsized effect. Do you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I noted in the thread that I think Russian rotary wing aviation bases where these helicopters are, are located would be an, an ideal target for Attackums. That said, you know, unfortunately, because uh, Washington is very leaky, and and now uh, you know there's all this reporting that attackums are on the way. I would anticipate there there may be a, a change in Russian behavior, and they might be a little bit more cautious about uh, concentrating those those helicopters as they have been for most of the war, because they they've known that um, at a, at a certain distance, Ukraine doesn't have the ability to to strike them with any regularity. So the uh, Russian the Russians may not be having those those targets be so opportune now i think that you know and as we get some some of the guys that are, are purchasing the open source satellite data to take a look at these air bases i i would imagine we're going to see in the future that they're not going to be so concentrated as the russians try and avoid that exact thing from happening but certainly based on their behavior up to this point this would be a really ideal target and if uh, if we if the united states was able to deliver those those attackums uh, without tipping the Russians off, I think they would have been uh, having a lot of rude surprises when when those missiles started coming down on their air bases. So a couple of other questions I have. One is around Taurus. 
People haven't been talking about it as much, but Taurus, of course, is, is the German missile that the Ukrainians have also been asking for. If the Ukrainians receive attackums, the cluster versions or unitary warhead versions, would Taurus still have any other advantages beyond simply just numbers? What do you think? Yeah, Taurus definitely would have an advantage. Uh, Taurus, uh, it's an air-launched cruise missile like Storm Shadow and Scalp-EG, um, quite similar in a lot of ways, but the key difference is that Taurus has extremely advanced fusing in its its warhead. Storm Shadow, it has, its warhead is called Broach, I believe it is, and Taurus, it's Mephisto, and the fusing in that warhead is very uh, sophisticated, particularly uh, as it relates to targeting hardened targets like bunkers or bridges, because the missile it can pass through multiple layers of concrete and detect as it's passing through these multiple layers and sense the voids as it passes through. So it could go multiple stories of a, of a building or a bunker underground and detonate at a specific point. So if you wanted to go penetrate a bunker and detonate three levels below on your on your third basement level it can do that and detonate exactly at the point you want or if you want to target a bridge it can pass through the, the road surface the deck of the bridge and then impact the columns that are holding the bridge up uh, so that very sophisticated fusing is a very important advantage that it offers um, and if ukraine would want to destroy bridges or you know the kirch bridge specifically i've i've argued and my uh, my friend fabian who whose own thread on um, Taurus I linked in mine explains uh, in great depth why you know the fusing uh, allows uh, you know makes it the best possible munition to to target something like the Kerch Bridge or other bridges. So it does have a very key advantage that Attackums and Storm Shadow don't. That it's a munition that Ukraine definitely definitely wants for that reason in my view because they could achieve much greater impacts with a, a handful of Tauruses where. It would take a lot of storm shadow or, uh, missiles or a lot of attackums to achieve the same result um, if you're if you're prosecuting a, a, a hardened target. So, so the Ukrainians are launching the storm shadows from their Su-34 uh, jets, and they had to be modified for that task. Do you think that it would be fairly easy to also modify them to carry Taurus? I think that now that they got the integration done for storm shadow, it would be less challenging with that knowledge that they now have uh, because they are they are similar they're not the same missile they're not uh, derivatives of each other but there's similarities there so i think that um, it's very much a, a surmountable challenge for them and there's been some reporting in german media about um about the german government saying that oh this it's far too complicated we need to have um, our own technicians on the ground there to help the ukrainians you know operate these missiles and I, I view that as very, very, very suspect, uh, given, you know, that, again, that they were able to achieve the integration with Storm Shadow. I don't think it's nearly as, as complicated as uh, the German government is trying to make this uh, seem to be. I think it's just more excuses coming from the chancellor's office, who's very resistant to this idea, even though all of his coalition partners are, are very much in favor of providing those missiles to Ukraine. And do we know the numbers in German inventory and how much they could potentially give? Yeah, uh, going from memory, I think uh, is that they have 600 missiles and 300 of them are serviceable and 300 are not. Um, I think that's uh, what the inventory figures are. Great. So last question really 
is around Taiwan. So obviously, attack hymns in the U.S. inventory would not be of much use in a hypothetical matchup against China over Taiwan because presumably we would not have bases on Taiwan itself and, and we would be too far from even Okinawa or Guam to, to be able to reach China. However, they could be of great use to Taiwan itself. So what about this idea that we may want to keep a large inventory of attackums so that in the event of potential war, we could easily ship them to Taiwan in order to help Taiwan defend itself? Sure. So um, as I note in, in my in my graphs, Taiwan does have attackums currently on order. They ordered uh, 64 to begin with, and they added another 20 to that uh, order this past year. Uh, and my understanding is that order is supposed to start being fulfilled over the next year. So Taiwan definitely does want attackums. As for whether the United States needs to maintain some number in the event that they needed to deliver some to Taiwan, I would say that the best time to do that is now if they're concerned about that, because if you're waiting for things to get a little bit more heated, then you might not have the opportunity to conduct that sort of resupply mission. If if China, you know, were to initiate military operations, uh, you wouldn't want to leave it that late to try and get them those missiles. So the Taiwans would have the most impact, uh, you know, in both deterrence and as well, you know, the Taiwanese having the ability to uh, launch some strikes against the Chinese if they they saw an, an invasion force marshalling. Um, so if that's if that's a top concern. Congress, you know, has given the, the president the authority to execute drawdowns to Taiwan as well. And he recently uh, did execute a drawdown to Taiwan of over $300 million. And we don't know what was in that drawdown. It wasn't publicly released, um, which is uh, f- legally fine. He just has to provide a, a, that information to Congress and it can be completely classified. So Congress knows what Taiwan got. Uh, did Taiwan get any attackums through a drawdown? I don't know. If they haven't, that's an option that's available to the president. He could decide that he's going to fulfill um, fulfill Taiwan's foreign military sales order with a with a drawdown. He could do that. He could give them eighty four attackums out of the U.S. inventory, and then the attackums that are currently being built for Taiwan could just be used to backfill the U.S. inventory. So that's an option available to the president if he feels that Taiwan needs those missiles immediately. And if he took that course of option, I, I think that uh, there's still enough missiles to go around. He can give some to Taiwan and he can give some to Ukraine as well, especially since um, uh, they seem to be considering giving Ukraine these cluster uh, munitions attackments, which are officially expired anyway, so wouldn't be part of um, America's, um, any of their O plans. And presumably there would be perhaps an enhanced deterrent effect as well if those missiles are actually used very successfully by Ukraine to target certain strategic assets in occupied Ukraine, right? That you could actually demonstrate the efficacy of this weapon to the Chinese in a very prominent fashion. Yeah, absolutely. I've personally made that case about a lot of different weapon systems. And uh, I, I shared an article yesterday on, on my feed from the Wall Street Journal, I believe it was, who noted at the, at the recent arms convention in London that all these companies were being asked, uh, how are your weapons performing in Ukraine? That's a top question that potential buyers want to know if, if these systems have actually been combat proven. So I think it's tremendously beneficial, both um, in terms of R&D and, and just you know, learning, you know, how efficacious um, 
these weapon systems are for your own future development programs, learning what's working, what's not working, but just uh, you know, for, for weapons that you're currently trying to sell, proving the efficacy is, is really good for um, getting uh, potential buyers to uh, to want to acquire those systems. So I think... But particularly how they function against Russian design air defenses, yes. which Chinese have a lot of, right? Yes, uh, absolutely. I think that the fact that we have confirmation that Pac-3 MSC uh, interceptors from the American Patriot system were able to successfully intercept Russia's Kinzhal missiles, which have been very much hyped by the Russians as these sort of wonder weapons that can, um, you know, do everything. I think the Americans had a pretty good idea that it would be able to successfully do that, but it's been conclusively proven now that it can. Uh, so I think Patriot, you know, had pretty good demand before the war and and now after the war there's a lot of people that want to buy more patriot Uh, nasams is another system that's acquitted itself very well iris t so it's um you know it's it's very good for uh, companies that are making air defenses the ones that have acquitted themselves well in ukraine those companies are going to have a lot of demand for those systems in the future given that they've proven themselves so effective against russian systems this is actually one of the points that the Ukrainian Ministry of Defense had made to me when I was in Kiev earlier this summer, is that a lot of these weapons provisions are great marketing for their manufacturers and for the countries where they're built. Uh-huh. And uh, that was one of the points they made to me about the Gripens, that uh, if the Swedes want to increase sales of Gripen aircraft, which they haven't been able to do in terms of foreign military sales at all over the last decade, showing how they can be used against the Russian Air Force and Russian air defenses in Ukraine can be a great opportunity for them to showcase why the Gripen is still a great aircraft. Uh, last question, do you know the current production rate for Atakams and why is it that we have stopped manufacturing the cluster variant, which seems like it, it's a particularly useful one? Sure, so on the cluster munitions, during the, the Bush administration, they decided against making further cluster munitions and they decided that they wanted to actually phase cluster munitions out of American inventory because they were unhappy with the dead rates of of those munitions. Um, So that was a decision that was made back then and the decision to not procure new uh, cluster munition, uh, cluster munition weapons has persisted since then, uh, even though they, they do still remain in American inventory, but by policy, the United States won't even use any of these weapons if their their dead rate exceeds uh, a 1% failure rate, which most of them likely do because a lot of these are, are old now and that uh, that, uh, that affects that. So um, the United States has them, but they're, they're not using them themselves pursuant to their policy and they're not procuring new ones. So I, I think a lot of people have argued that that has not been a, a wise decision to stop procuring cluster munitions because they can be very effective in, in certain circumstances, especially now, you know, as technology improves, I think it's possible to achieve lower dead rates. So I, I think that's that's not been a great decision. As for what the production is, so the United States has uh, is delivering over 500 attackums still they have on, on order. So those are going to be produced over the next year, is it? And uh, they are, they're finishing their uh, SLEP, Surface Life Extension Program, by the end of this year. They're taking receipt of another uh, 50 missiles is it, by the end of the year. And then that program will, will conclude. And, but they're still um, very robust 
uh, foreign military sales demand. As I noted, Australia, Taiwan, um, Poland wants to buy more. Morocco is looking at placing an order. And uh, Estonia, Lithuania, they, they also have missiles on order. So Attackums is going to be uh, continue to get produced for the foreseeable future as a lot of countries have, have showed renewed interest in it. So even as PRSM comes online, um, Attackums is still going to be produced for the foreseeable future as well. Great. Well, thank you so much, Colby, for coming on and this really, really informative discussion. We'll link to your thread in the show notes. And hopefully Ukraine can get some of these munitions, particularly the cluster variants, soon because they certainly need them. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you.